This is Edie. Welcome back to the Heinemann Podcast. What is a book written for doing, not just reading? Matt Glover and Carl Anderson can answer this question. Their new book, How to Become a Better Writing Teacher, is a book written for doing. It puts the power of day-to-day curriculum decision-making and fine-tuning into the hands of the teacher. In our conversation today, Matt and Carl dive deeper into some of the 50-plus high-impact strategies from their book that you can easily find as you need throughout the year. Well, this is Carl, and I'm so excited to be part of this podcast today. And for those of you listening, thanks so much for being part of this. Yep, and this is Matt, and I've been looking forward to this as well. We've um, Carl and I have been thinking about this book for a long time, and we're so excited for um, it to finally be out. And so um, just really nice to have a chance to be able to talk about it today. And so that just leads right into it, Carl. Why don't you start off by talking a little bit about the origin of this book? How did this, um, how did this come to be? Well, Matt, I was thinking today um, that you and I have something in common with Taylor Swift, and I'm wondering if you have any idea what it is. <laughs> I have no idea what I could what I could possibly have in common with Taylor Swift. Well, we actually do have something in common with Taylor Swift. During the pandemic, she wrote and released two albums, Folklore and Evermore. Okay, and a, a lot of musicians have put out CDs that they call pandemic CDs. And our book is a pandemic book. So that's what we have co- in common with Taylor. And I remember um, the summer of 2020, just a couple months into the pandemic, you called me and suggested we do a webinar on how to confer with students online, since so many teachers would be teaching virtually that following school year. And I remember you said, you know, we might get 10 or 20 people, but it'll be fun. And so I said, sure. And lo and behold, 500 people showed up. You remember that? I do. And that led to several more webinars over that fall on helping students be engaged writers, teaching with mentor text, and people kept coming. And boy, did we have fun, right? Um, we discovered we love working together. Uh, we have the same passion for writing, and uh, and we complement each other in so many great ways. And it was great PD for me, and I, I know you've said the same thing about that. And so I remember that after a couple months, we just started saying that, you know, we should turn all this stuff that we talk about in these webinars into a book. And well, there we go, three years later. Well, and it is such an interesting book in that way, in that it really comes out of how our thinking grew with each other for during the, you know those couple of years. There's so many things that I think about differently now after having worked on this book. And um, it's really just a culmination of us thinking together and kind of growing our thinking over the last couple of years. Yeah, and using the time that we had the last couple of years to really put our heads together and just really think about the question, how to become a better writing teacher. And so, Matt, I, I've got this question for you, um, you know, just to, just to let me hear your thoughts about why you think this book is is so important. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of reasons, certainly. One is that, you know, there are a lot of books out there that are about curriculum and what to teach. And there's you know, not as much about how to teach it well. And that's really what we're focusing on in this book is really teaching moves that help support young writers. And so that's why it's so crucial in this book that we have tons of video, right? Uh, because we want to show what these moves look like, not just talking about these teaching moves, um, but also really thinking about, let's show what this looks like and kind of making that very visible. So it's a book that helps teachers, whatever their experience level is, but it's really a book for if you have a writing workshop up and going, 
even if you're new to writing workshop, but you have a writing workshop in place, how to get better at this. And so it's really a book that wherever teachers are, gives them lots of possibilities. This book is you know, filled with all these different actions, things that teachers can do to become better writing teachers. And hopefully in very kind of small increments, small little bits that are very manageable to take on one uh, and then to take on another. You know, I, I, we're, it's, I think in a really you know, challenging moment in education right now, I, I, so in all across the country and in other parts of the world, the the answer to serious problems seems to be to say, well, let's let's adopt a new curriculum. And I, what I think this book is about is that curriculums don't teach children. Teachers teach children. And whatever curriculum that someone might be using, things are going to go much differently depending on your skill set as a teacher and you know how you confer, how well you can teach a mini lesson, how well you can revise a unit of study in response to student needs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, our, our book addresses the teaching part of things, which to me is the most single most important factor in the success of children. Yeah, it really puts teachers and students by extension, but teachers right at the center of this, right? That's really what this book is about, um, supporting teachers. So I agree, it's, that's the crucial role in the classroom, right? Are the decisions that teachers make day by day and the, how many decisions teachers make day by day and how those impact students. And so, yeah, I think this is very much a book that's um, designed to support teachers. So given that this book really focuses on teachers and teaching and supporting teacher decision-making really is at the heart of this, um, Carl, why don't you just give a quick overview of um, how this book works? Well, you know, I, I think at the heart of this book is we've written over 50 actions that teachers can take to work on all sorts of different aspects of the way that they teach writing. And these are actions that can be done in the classroom as teachers are working with students. Uh, they can be done outside the classroom, either by themselves or preferably with colleagues. And all these actions are ones that we've taken ourselves as teachers in our careers or that we've done with uh, teachers in schools around the world or both. And, you know, and all these actions are grouped um, in a way that really what, what they do is they help teachers align their classroom practice to key principles of learning and teaching writing. You know, for example, like chapter two is, is contains actions that will will help you get to know your students as people and as writers. Chapter three contains actions that will help you create the conditions for engagement in a writing workshop. Uh, chapter six will help you help students learn from authors. And, um, and Matt has mentioned the videos, but many of these actions include videos that, um, that will either show lessons that are really important to get in your repertoire, or, um, or some of them are discussions between Matt and me where we're modeling how to talk about various aspects of writing. And the book also comes with a robust package of online resources that are also used in the actions. And they include diagnostic forms, record-keeping forms, assessment guides, uh, forms for projecting or designing it to study. There's just so many great you know, tools that we're offering in the book. So you know, that's, I think that's what the guts of the book contains, Matt. One that I think in this day and age is particularly important is the chapter on um, becoming a curriculum decision maker. And I want to be careful about this. It's really how to think like a curriculum decision maker. Um, because we're not expecting people to go write standards, we're not going to write their district curriculum. But our point is that when you're teaching in day by day, you have to be thinking like a curriculum decision maker because we're thinking about big picture decisions that teachers make 
day by day. And so we certainly want teachers are going to follow standards and curriculum and resources. However, standards and curriculum and resources can't tell you exactly what to teach tomorrow because they weren't there today. The only person who can decide what exactly your students need tomorrow is the classroom teacher because they're the only one that's there today. And so in order to make those decisions, it's not enough just to decide the night before, certainly, what am I going to teach tomorrow? We'd have to be thinking across a unit before the unit starts. We have to be thinking about what are our goals? What are the possibilities for how this unit could unfold so that we can make responsive decisions day by day in the unit? That's really what we're thinking about is how do teachers make responsive decisions about what to teach tomorrow based on what they see happening in the classroom? And so there's lots of actions in this chapter. Certainly there's one about how to revise units when you already have a unit. There's an action about how to talk to your administrator if your administrator is saying, follow these lessons blindly without making decisions. How to talk through that with your principal. Because of course, we'd want people to be thinking about why does this mini lesson today make sense? What was I thinking originally? How am I going to alter this, right? How does this make sense today? Well, we want to make sure that principals are supportive of that as well. And that can be a challenging conversation sometimes. And so we're giving, there's an action supporting that. But one of the ones that we you know, really think about in this is how to get ready for a unit in writing, how to get ready before the unit starts, because it'll make the teaching much, much easier, and more the decisions we make much more effective, the more prepared we are for the unit. I think having projected some units myself this summer and actually done this action multiple times over the last couple months, I know that that step of rereading mentor text before a unit, before you want to do a unit, it helps you see so many teaching possibilities. So that, as you were saying, so when you're in a writing conference, what comes up may not be that day's mini lesson. It may not be any of the mini lessons that are in the unit. The child may need something very different. But if you've taken the time to look through the mentor text, you're going to have a much larger repertoire of craft points. And if you've taken the time to do some of your own writing, you're also going to have more process teaching points that are provided in the mini lessons of a district written or commercial unit. And as you were saying, too, that when I have that extensive repertoire of teaching points that you get from reading mentor text or from doing some of your own writing, it's much easier than if you feel like you need to swap out a lesson that you don't think is appropriate for your kids. Well, then you have some other lessons to swap in that you think are much more appropriate. So I think what we do in this particular action is is try to help people have a much more active stance um, towards curriculum versus a passive stance. Yeah, and so it's uh, such an important point that you make there about conferring, because who are the most challenging students to confer with? The students on either end of the learning spectrum, the students who probably didn't um, need what was in today's mini lesson, because the downside of whole group teaching is just focused on what do most students need, not what do all students need. Right. And then in some conferences, you sit with the kid and they're doing today's mini lesson. They needed it, but they're doing really well with it. And you want to challenge them more, either with kind of more advanced version of that or with something else. And the more you know your mentor text or your own process text, the more you can be able to do that kind of work with kids. You know, the big move I learned from you long ago is pulling out a mentor text, whether it's your own writing, student writing, published writing in a conference, right? Having those resources there with you. Well, it makes it a hundred times easier if I don't have to flip. 
if I don't have to say to the child, hold on just a second, let me find a place in this in these mentor texts where this author does this. No, because the only reason we even thought of teaching it is because we saw it in the mentor text to begin with. It makes finding that spot in that um, mentor text where they are using dialogue or that spot where they're elaborating on a reason in an essay or whatever it is, it makes it so much easier to find those things because the only reason we even thought about teaching it is because we saw it in the mentor text or we saw it, we noticed it in our own processes or in our writing. Just makes that teaching much, much easier. It takes some time upfront to do this, and it, in a way, it's a very simple move. Reread through the ment- you know, read through the mentor text, and as a writer, as a writing teacher, and see what the possibilities are. But it makes the work in the units go so much better when you have that familiarity and that broader repertoire of teaching points than what a unit may provide. So, Matt, I'm wondering, you know, tied to that, and you mentioned this before, not every school. Do admin feel comfortable with teachers being curriculum decision makers? And I was wondering if you, and this is, I think, one of the great actions in this chapter of how to have conversations with your principal or your supervisor about, you know, being more of a curriculum decision maker in your writing workshop. So could you say a couple things about that? You have to be careful. I go long on this. I was a principal for a long time. So I have thoughts about this from the teacher perspective, from the principal perspective, but As a principal, I was thrilled when a teacher would come and say, you know, I'm thinking about altering this lesson, right? I'm thinking about altering this sequence, and here's why. Here's what I've been seeing happening in my classroom. And so one of the things is that teachers, I think, have to be prepared and have to be able to explain why they're making those decisions. It's not, well, I didn't decide to teach that. You know, I decided not to teach that mini lesson day because it just didn't feel like teaching it. No, it's, no, here's what's been happening in my classroom. Here's how I thought the unit would unfold to begin with. Here's the adjustments I've made. Here's why I made this adjustment on this particular day. But to be able to talk with administrators about this, the place I always start is thinking about beliefs and actions and really trying to ground and make sure we have a common understanding of what do we believe as a school. When you think about, well, do we believe that all children don't need the same thing, same day, same time, that our job is to meet the individual needs of students? I've never met a principal who said, no, that's really not how children learn and grow. Everyone's exactly the same, right? I think that there's a commonality often around beliefs. What really do we believe about high quality instruction? And what do we believe about the role of a teacher? And what do we believe about um, teaching and learning? And if we can start by having some common understanding about beliefs, then it's much easier to look at, does this action align with this belief? Right, And so whenever I'm thinking about this, when we're thinking about how do we align beliefs and actions with the starting point always is, well, what do we believe as a school? What do we believe um, as educators? And so, Carl, I'm wondering, I, I know this is a tricky question, but I'm wondering if you have a favorite action from this book, right? <laughs> I, I know we love all of them. and we, In fact, we love them so much that not only do we have the actions in the book, we have online actions that we ran out of space for, but we couldn't just discard, so we put them online. So there's additional actions online. And you know, we have an ongoing list of actions we want to add later on down the road, or actions we hadn't thought about at that point. We just keep thinking of new actions. So I know it's a tricky question, but... I'm wondering if you have a wonder if you have a favorite. Oh, it's like asking me which of my two children is my favorite, exactly, right? Exactly. You know, I'd probably answer that by saying which whichever one I'm with at that time is my favorite, and if I'm with both of them, they're both my favorite. We have one on um, 
you know, using record-keeping forms to set and track goals for kids. And one of the things I like about that action, I, I think record-keeping is a very mysterious process for teachers. And like, what exactly are you supposed to write down and how do you do that quickly during or after a conference? And so in that action, what we do is we ask teachers to watch a video of you and a video of me and to take some notes as if they were us. And then we have a video where we we show the notes that we took and explain our rationale. It's literally this action is people are going to compare notes with us. So I think that's a really fun action and really helpful. And um, another one that I love, there's actually two of them. There's um, so, some actions on how to teach precisely and craft and process lessons. And it's from the chapter on teaching clearly and precisely. And I have loved doing this work in schools, helping teachers learn how to really talk about craft techniques or writing strategies beautifully and, and in a way that's very accessible to children. So in these actions, we have teachers study our videos, we have transcripts at teaching points, um, and then we invite people to, you know, to write their own and, and try out some of the things they're learning. So I think that's a those are some powerful actions there. What about you, Matt? You know, I'm so tempted to respond with the actions that we have around immersion. Because as I think about some of the, you know, one of the most powerful things that teachers can do is to have that immersion phase at the beginning of a unit where we spend two, three, four days studying our stack of texts with students. Um, we have several actions around that, and I just feel more strongly than ever about how crucial that is. Um, but if I had to... Okay, Matt, I won't jump in and say, that's my favorite now. Okay, that is my favorite now. Forget what I said before. I love the immersion actions. They're so great. And the video is amazing. Yeah, and so, yeah, I agree. As you were talking about those, I was thinking, oh, I'd love that one too. It is really hard to pick. But one I, I guess I just, I've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of years is using students as mentors in a conference. And so one of the just shifts in my own teaching over the last several, you know, several years has been that I've always used student samples when I'm conferring, right? I'll pull out a student sample and show a child how to do something. But really, I rarely use student samples from previous years anymore. I'm much, much more likely to use students in the classroom, where I pull over a student in the classroom and say, hey, come on over here. Let me show you what he did, right? Or let me show you what this other child did. And when I pull that other child over, I get an additional benefit. Both children benefit from it. I don't have the child who's bringing their writing over I don't have them teach it. I should be able to out-teach most six-year-olds and 10-year-olds. I should be able to teach it better than the student does. But what I am doing is let me show you what this other child has done. And the reason that's so powerful is that both students benefit from it. The child who I'm teaching, often I'm using another child because they're a closer approximation to what this child's doing. But the other child who I'm bringing over benefits as well, especially when it's a less confident writer. I use less confident writers to be the mentor in a conference more often than more confident writers. And the reason for that is I've seen time and time again where a child's disposition as a writer, um, their identity of themselves as a writer has shifted simply by having a teacher bring them over to be the mentor for somebody else. They walk away from that interaction feeling different about themselves as a writer, especially the less confident ones. And so I just can't stress that strongly enough. If any teachers listening to this, just think about when was the last time you used a child in the conference to come over and be the mentor for somebody else? It's a tremendously powerful and underutilized move.
And of course, there's a video to show exactly how to do that. So I got I got one more thing to think about, Matt. You know, our friend and mentor, Kitty Wood Ray, has read our book. And one of the things that she said about the book is she said this, that How to Become a Better Writing Teacher isn't a book you read. It's a book you do. Okay. What does she mean by that, Matt? Well, I think it's a couple of things. One is that it's not necessarily a book that you read straight through. It's really a book that we give you some tips at the beginning, how to use and find actions that will meet teachers' individual needs. So any you know, two teachers reading this book might take very different paths through it. They would be able to dip into an action that speaks to them right now or that meets a need that they have. And so it's very much tied to teachers' classroom practice. What are they doing day by day? And it's the same thing with this book. We're going to um, use these actions, use the video to help us become better teachers. And I think the big thing about this is that um, we talk all the time about teaching with nudges with students, right? That our job as teachers is to help nudge a student to teach right in that zone of proximal development. Well, I think it's that same thing with teachers. Trying to tackle 20 different things to become a better teacher all at once is not an effective way to grow as a teacher. The much more effective way would be to pick one thing, work on that, and then pick another and work on that one, right? And so it's really a book that you would use over a long period of time to constantly coming back to and say, okay, what am I trying to do next to become a better teacher? I think that, you know, this book contains, you know, actions that we've taken ourselves as, as teachers and actions that we've helped teachers with. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's step by step by step by step in a way that makes sense for an individual teacher. I think that's what Katie means, that this is a book you do and use over time to gradually lift the level of your practice as a writing teacher. Yeah, I agree. And I, so, you know, it's so interesting. I think I'm a very different um, writing teacher after having worked on this book with you. It really shows how much yes. we've learned from each other. And I know that I'll yep. be a different writing teacher next year because as you and I continue to talk about things, we continue to learn from teachers in classrooms, right? They were constantly improving. So I just thank you so much for the opportunity to um, you know work on this book together. I think it's just been a tremendous um, growth experience um, and I've just enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, the, our conversation has been so special over the last several years. I and mean, we've known each other for a long time, but this collaboration over the last three years has just been one of the most powerful of my professional life. So anyway, Matt, it's it's been a great, great experience. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you to Matt and Carl for their time. You can order their book, How to Become a Better Writing Teacher, at Heinemann.com. Learn more and read a transcript at blog.heinemann.com. Thank you.